0: Six ranked matchups, seven with college football playoff implications. Ohio State demands your respect. Is Florida State actually for real? And yeah, we got to talk about Colorado and Coach Prime's Buffaloes. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step. No, thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, got to talk about my Oklahoma Sooners knocking off Cincinnati in their first Big 12 matchup of the year. Ohio State absolutely demands your respect. Yeah, Colorado took an L. What does this mean for Colorado? Is Oregon really good? Clemson lost to Florida State in overtime, or another way of saying that is Florida State needed overtime to beat Clemson. The Pac-2 championship was decided, and Penn State might be a legitimate contender for the Big Ten championship. Let's get into our Saturday live reaction and recap show, starting with, yes, number six, Ohio State, defeating number nine, Notre Dame, 17-14 to in Notre Dame, Indiana. I say Notre Dame, Indiana, because that is an actual place where they put the stadium. South Bend is the city around it. Ask the South Bend folks about how they feel about that. It's probably the way the Buckeyes feel about Ohio State. Uh, Or more to the point, it's probably the way that Buckeyes feel about, well, getting this win against Notre Dame. What I'm saying here is it came down to the wire at the end of this, and it was dramatic. We had everything go on, but what we got to see is why I have— Ohio state ranked the number three team in the country in my top 25. And I see no reason to change that. Notre Dame we'll talk about here, but did not expect this game to be three to zero at halftime. That's starters. Number one, number two is if I had told you that Ohio state would give up just 14 points into the fourth quarter against Notre Dame, you would probably think Ohio state was winning. Not so Ohio state trailed 14 to 10 late in this game. And yet and still, it didn't feel like they were going to pull this thing out. Kyle McCord needed to come up with something special, not necessarily with Marvin Harrison Jr., but with Omega Ibuka, who was there right on time when they needed him. Got a big play out of Julian Fleming. And, of course, they got the big explosive play from Travion Henderson to get their first six on the board. Outstanding win for Ohio State. And really, I think the best win all year for any football team so far. That is truly an outstanding accomplishment, and if nothing else, helps Buckeye fans feel better about this Big Ten schedule that remains because they got to get past Penn State, who's good, and they got to get past Michigan, who is good. Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. also tied Chris Carter's record for 100-yard receiving games in this game, bounced back from an ankle injury to really go make some plays. The Martian is outstanding. Benjamin Morrison also showed me some stuff out there at corner for Notre Dame. Outstanding play from him. Sam Hartman looked the part. Audrick Estime looked the part. I, I would not be shocked to find out that Ohio State and Notre Dame make the college football playoff this year. If things break that way, nobody's going to get mad about watching what we watched again because it came down to, frankly, a bush push. Matt Leiner was up there going, I did it first. Y'all did it second. But they got in there. Chip Trainham, punching it in with one second left on the clock in a in a game that was what, two and a half point favorite to the Buckeyes, which means that if the referees had not put one second back on the clock, that's the game, right? 16-14, because in college, you don't kick the extra point like in the NFL, where you kick the extra point regardless, which means somebody is really, really mad about that one second being put back on the clock, if for no other reason than it means that Ohio State covered and Notre Dame did not. Ohio State also ranks second nationally in scoring defense, and they needed to be. like That was the story for me going into this game. How good would each one of these secondaries be when playing two of the better quarterbacks in the sport, Sam Hartman and Kyle McCord? Kyle McCord showed his youth. right? There's no getting around that. There's that interception in the end zone, and then frankly, you can't punch it in from the one-yard line to get six in the first half. Game did not need to be as close as it was for Ohio State, but You can't get experience without experience. This is also me telling all you hiring managers out there, hire the young person with no experience. They're hungry and they want it. Don't CYA. Put the five-star quarterback out there and say, okay, now's the time. Go win the football game or learn from not winning the football game. Thankfully for him, because he got to go back to Columbus, he won the football game. I was really impressed with Ohio State's offensive line against Notre Dame's uh, front seven, even though they had their own problems and issues along the way. I did not expect it to be as tooth and nail for both of these offenses as it was, even as I expected defenses to be good. But Jim Knowles' defense is finally starting to click for the Buckeyes in a very real way. Again, giving up just 14 points to this Notre Dame team is not any small feat. It's enormous. Matter of fact, there's this quote from Ryan Day that I think is really going to wrap its arms around Ohio State and how they feel the Buckeyes. It's always been Ohio State against the world. It will always be Ohio State against the world. It's also always going to be, I'm not here for Notre Dame winning much of anything, really. But I love that Ohio State and Ohio against the world is really what they felt because in that environment, yeah, Notre Dame did a really great job of keeping scarlet out of their stands. Unlike the last time that a team wearing red showed up to Ohio uh, to Notre Dame excuse me, in Georgia when it felt like just a Red Sea over there. Notre Dame came out in a big way expecting to get this win. I love that they went for the win. I love that Ohio State didn't back down. I love that Notre Dame found a way to give themselves opportunities to win this game. I think that Notre Dame versus USC down the Rhine is going to be one hell of a football game just like this one. And I think that's the road, right? You go undefeated the rest of the way. You beat USC. You're right there especially if Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship. Nobody's going to hold this one against you. And frankly, I'm not either. So I get into my top 25 that will go out early Sunday morning, but you know, late Saturday night, depending on where you are. I don't expect to see a lot of movement between these two teams, but I do expect folks to look at Notre Dame a bit differently. Maybe you thought less of them before this game. Maybe you think more of them afterward. I certainly do. Right, I got to see these guys show up in a way that I wanted to see them show up all year. You can't tell me anything about beating up on Navy. can't tell me anything about beating up on North Carolina State. You can't tell me anything about beating up on Tennessee State. But you get Ohio State at your door, and you're up 14-10 to 10 late with an opportunity to win the game, and you force Ohio State to find something mean and nasty at the bottom of the well to go and beat you. Yeah, you're a tough football team, and then some— This is also the fewest points allowed at this point, 48 years, or since 1975 team allowed 16 points in games one through three. That's, that's Notre Dame, Ohio state. Like I just, Ohio state's defense is allowed just 20 points through the first three games of the entire year. Like I did not expect to go into this year thinking the Ohio state's defense was going to be the strength of the football team. I don't think anybody did, but I'll tell you, Ohio state fans are here to see it because they know the offense will catch up. Right. The line will come together. Kyle McCord will begin to figure it out. And having those tailbacks, Chip training, and Travion Henderson in particular, is only going to help you. Having other options other than Marvin Harrison Jr. like Ameka Buka, like Julian Fleming, that's only going to help you. Xavier Johnson come up with a big play to help win this game. It was a real team effort from the Buckeyes this year. They did not give up a point in the second half all season until today. Right? Again, Notre Dame, hats off to you. Didn't root for you but I respect the hell out of you. Ohio State, pull one out. Maybe this is the team to get past Penn State and then Michigan and get back to winning the Big Ten Championship. We'll see. We got a lot of football left to play. Let's go to number 10, Oregon. Absolutely making a statement. 42 to six win against number 19, Colorado at Austin. Okay. I don't read my mentions from people that I don't know, which is most people. So I'm assuming that most of y'all wanted to hear me speak on Colorado, and I was like, nah, I'm going to wait for the show, because we need to go at this. I have three kinds of takes, okay? Picking this up from the homie Nick Wright. I have three kinds of takes. Undeniably correct in the moment. Undeniably correct eventually. And cartoonishly wrong. Okay. I'm right about Colorado. Colorado. And you're right to say you were wrong about picking Colorado to be Oregon. Fine, cool. Now, what's the ceiling for Colorado? Oregon showed it to you. But if you are pulling out two-point conversions instead of extra points, if you're running fake punts at your own 17, if you are telling Bo Nix to dial it up to Troy Franklin, if you're telling Bucky Irving to keep running over people, as the game is very well and truly in your possession. You're playing more than Colorado, okay? So get your licks in right now because this is as bad as Colorado's going to be under Coach Prime. Year one for him at Jackson State was four and three. He's already won three games. They're three and one. They took a loss to a really good Oregon football team. Frankly, an Oregon football team that can not just win a Pac-12 championship, but can make the college football playoff. And that was true even last year. Let's not also forget... Oregon took a loss like this to Georgia last year, 49 to three. And people absolutely dumped, gra- uh, dumped dirt on their grave. But I also think that this game was about how college football sees itself. You have lots of people in this sport that can't stand flash, that see, confidence is arrogance, and that confidence intimidates them because they are insecure. They don't like it when people are good or feel that they are good and tell you about it. They want you to be humble, right? They want you to have some humility about what you do. That ain't how Prime gets down, that ain't how I get down. I got Mustard Seed faith in myself. I'm sure that Prime has Mustard Seed faith in himself. It's about translating that to his players. They get to see what it's like for them to not be on the level that they expect to be on. They get to go watch film on this they get to get coached up by this, and then they get to go back at it again. And they got a really great USC team coming up on the docket. But I am not about to tell you anybody was wrong to pick Colorado. Colorado's a good football team, and they will remain a good football team. And the Dan Lannings of the world need to get it in right now, okay? If you want to talk about clicks and you think that's what Prime is chasing, you got it all wrong, my dude. Clicks is a byproduct. Clicks is a byproduct of people wanting to be a part of what it is that you are doing. I know this because that's how I was able to get here. People wanted to be a part of the community that this channel began around. That's why we talk about Oklahoma on this channel. There's something that Prime is doing that is lending itself to people, not just in college football, but outside of this sport. You want to talk about how this game is not played in Hollywood, how it's played on a football field. I don't see the Rock showing up to Oregon. I don't see Gilly the Kid showing up to Eugene. I don't see Snoop Dogg even knowing where that is. I see a man who was going, cool, I'm going to get mine in right now because I'm tired of all this attention that is going to a Colorado team that we don't think is that good. Good. You got the win. Ducks fans, have a ball, right? Go, Go ham. Go off. Show me your receipts. Hit me on the tweets. tweets. Hit me on Instagram. Hit me in the YouTube comments. I'm going to be here. I'm taking all calls. You can call me anytime. Whether or not I answer the phone, that's going to be right here on this show. Okay? It was 35-0 at halftime, and it really wasn't that close. Bo Nix was outstanding. 22-24 for 217, four TDs, like, in the first half, right? That dude put on a Heisman level of display, and anybody that says differently is lying to you. Troy Franklin did the same. He was getting his whatever he wanted against Marion Cooper. Marion Cooper gets to look at this and go, okay, this is why I'm not that good. Or Kyrie Jackson gets to look at how he played corner and say, yes, I am that good. And Oregon's going to get a chance to prove it. I'm going to go through their schedule here in a little bit. But I think it's important to say again, if you are looking at Colorado and you're expecting them to go undefeated, that's on you. You didn't hear that come out of my mouth. I don't know anybody that said so. You heard me say, I'm not going to put a ceiling on what prime in Colorado can do because I watched Texas Christian go five and seven in 2021 and play for the national championship in the national title game the next year. So you want to see a ceiling. This is it. 42 to six. I didn't see the boys quit. I saw them go get points at a time when some teams that we'll talk about a little bit later on did not. That offensive line has work to do. It was atrocious against that duck front seven. It was getting absolutely destroyed. Jordan Birch was doing whatever he wanted. You got work to do on that line because it doesn't matter how good the quarterback is if he does not have time to throw the ball. Now that said, Shador was also holding the ball for far longer than I would like to see him hold the ball. But then on the back end, the Ducks are that good. Tosh Lapoy is a good football coach. Dan Lanning raised up by both Nick Saban and Eric Kirby Smart. Two dudes that abhor flash that don't want you to talk about how good you are. They want you to go play football and win football games. They want you to be great on the field. It's two different coaching philosophies, is what I'm saying. If you're condemning one or the other, you're missing the point here. right? The point is Oregon is 4-0. The point is also Colorado is 3-1. And this is uh, at a time when many people expected Colorado might win three games all year. And none of those first three were the ones that they were supposed to win. You understand what I'm saying? Now, things to fix for Prime. He knows what they are. He knows what they are. He knows that they're weak on the offensive line. He knows they're weak on the defensive line. He's going to go into the portal, and he's going to pull out some dudes that are going to help him win on that defensive line and that offensive line, going to keep the quarterback upright. Maybe you missed this part in all the hoopla going into this game, but he sat down with his boys Shiloh and Shador and told them flat out, you are not going anywhere next year. You're going to be right here. Because you'll know that Shador is draft eligible. Shiloh is also draft eligible. He's a graduate student, actually, Shiloh. But they, he wants those boys there because he knows he's going to need them for 2024. And he wants them to be a part of what they're building toward because year one, cool, four and three. That was Jackson State. Year two, they won 11 games. Now, you can tell me all you want about what the competition was like in the FCS level, let alone in the SWAC. But we're talking about a man who has lost seven football games in three years in Coach Prime. We're talking about a quarterback in Shador Sanders, who is 73 and nine going back to high school, won 47 games in high school, right? Lost all the three games at Jackson State, has lost one game at Colorado, and yet here y'all are <laughs> chirping. Okay, keep it. Oregon, is it a playoff team? I think it can be. I just don't know, man. They got a gauntlet run coming up. You get Stanford, okay. No, you're going to beat up on Stanford. Sacramento State, put the money in the bag against Stanford, all right? But then you got Washington. And then you got Wansu. And then you got Utah, who's going to show up with a rock and beat you to death with it. You got Cal. Justin Wilcox knows how to coach a little defense. And then you got SC. So I don't want to get too far ahead here because I'm going to have Oregon as a top 10 team. Might even have them a little bit further ahead of some teams that you expect to be behind them. But I'm not going to sit here and crown him because the Pac 12 is an extremely tough football league. And the reason for that is Colorado. Colorado has made that bottom dweller spot none for them. That's going to be Arizona State this year, right? That's going to be Arizona this year. Utah's good. Washington's good. Washington State's good. Oregon State's good. USC's good. UCLA's good. You see what I'm saying here? It's a deep conference, and this was an example of such. So if Oregon can keep up the level of efficiency and, and tenacity that they showed against Colorado, good on them. But when you're selling out to beat a man who's wearing sunglasses on the sideline with a hat, who has yet to react to anything on the field, you got something else you're dealing with, and it ain't football. Let's talk about number 16, Oklahoma, beating Cincinnati 20-6. to six. That was a big noon game. Let's start with this. I don't give a damn what the offense did. And the offense was fine. One great, is fine. You know what I care about? Oklahoma has given up 34 points in four games. 34! It's looking like a Brent Venable defense down there, guys. It's looking like they can st- not just stop people, they can turn people over. Danny Stutchman is a dude! 13 and a half tackles, th- three and a half tackles for loss had really what ended the game in a play, the Sooners have picked off seven interceptions in two games. Those boys are flying around and playing a little bit of ball, so much so that the offense can be as so-so as it was today because by Oklahoma standards, it wasn't great, and you can still win by two touchdowns without scoring just 20 points. Now, I see that Cincinnati ain't that good, but Cincinnati's a power five team now. This is what it means to play power five football. And now Oklahoma's sitting at four and O in a conference that's still pretty damn good. And it's looking like, you know, Big 12 of old. We thought maybe the new teams would have something to say about Oklahoma and Texas. And maybe they still might, right? Season's still very young. We're not even at halfway point yet, but nobody right now is going to dismiss Oklahoma and Texas playing twice this year. Once in the Cotton Bowl and once in the Big 12 championship. And if you aren't Paying attention, one of those teams ends up in the college football playoff again. Well, I say again, be again for Oklahoma. It'd be the first time for Texas, because you know, they virgins like that. They ain't never, they ain't never done that. They ain't never you can win a Big 12 championship, you just can't make a college football playoff. I don't know how many people forget that or not, but somehow people want to keep talking to me about 49-0 and forget that Oklahoma's made the college football playoff three times, won six out of seven Big 12 championships, got off to its. 17th, 4-0 start in 20 years. It's almost like Oklahoma's the damn standard around here. That's all I'm saying. But you know what? Don't mind Oklahoma. Don't mind a program that is outscoring opponents 187 to 34. Don't mind an Oklahoma that has decided to put a lid on the end zone. Cincinnati had the ball 14 times. You know how many touchdowns he scored? Zero. Not die, zero, zip, like the jersey number you see around all the time now. Goose eggs, that's what I'm talking about. Kind of stowed up, running. Hey, by the way, uh, Oklahoma has been to the state of Ohio twice since 2017. Each time, Ws. Ohio State and Cincinnati. Okay, okay. Telling y'all, telling y'all. Don't mind Oklahoma. Don't pay no attention to Oklahoma. Tell us all your flyover state jokes. Make jokes about them absolute hardest, hardest dudes walking in the western part of this state. That panhandle, that kid. I saw a sign out there that said, What's in this part? Talk about the panhandle, of Oklahoma. And I said, The toughest sons of guns on earth. I worked out there one summer. You ain't worked about no hogs, have you? You don't work about no hogs and no Somalis, have you? Uh huh. You ain't met them dudes from Gaiman coming up to Boyd State, giving you the what for? Telling you, man. All we do is make them hard, nasty, and mean down here. Yeah, ain't nothing to do in Oklahoma. Ain't nothing to do but lift and play football. You don't think this means something? You're going to learn. You're going to learn. Just like UCLA learned what it's like to play against a Kyle Whittingham team at peak order. Look, number 11, Utah, knocked off number 22, UCLA. 14 to 7. All right? That, that's not the headline, right? The headline is Utah is 4-0 without Cam Rising playing a the snap. They have beaten two ranked opponents without Cam Rising. They beat a Florida team that could not hold a candle to them, and a, that same Florida team knocked off Tennessee, who also is ranked. I'm watching Nate Johnson go out here with win football games because Morgan Scally's defense is levitating. Those boys have not reached that point where, you know, where your mind, body, and soul must be one. You hear me say, make that last Dragon reference. They are the boys talking about playtime is over, boy. Like, they they are here on that show enough with them red hands. Dante Moore is an outstanding quarterback, and they didn't let that dude cook, not Nan. They snatched the skillet straight out of his hands and was lucky that he didn't end up over the fire. That Utah defense has seven sacks against UCLA and also the offense scored one touchdown scored one time but Utah led for the entire game you know how they did that because 12 seconds into the game Dante Moore threw a ball that he shouldn't have thrown but at the same time My man lodged three three feet in the air, picked that ball off, ran it back. 12 seconds, you up 7-0 against UCLA. Ain't possessed the ball for the offense, not one time. That's a scary football team. It's scary because I said this to start, and I think people took it the wrong way, so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to try to do this a little bit more clearly. Utah was not a top 25 team without Cam Rising. Not only are they a top 25 without Cam Rising, they're a top 10 team without Cam Rising. What do you think they're going to look like if Cam Rising comes back fully healthy and ready to go? What does Utah look like if they can move the fall efficiently? Can Utah beat Oregon? I don't know. Can Utah beat Washington? I don't know. Wazoo? I don't know. I'm telling you, the Utes was on it today. They have outscored opponents at Rice-Eccles. <laughs> or excuse me, they have a record at, at, at Rice-Eccles, 114-36. I thought the UCLA was going to win this game because I thought UCLA was going to be able to move the football. I was incorrect on that assessment. Wow. Just a really outstanding win for them. 16 straight home wins for Utah. 27 out of the last 28. And that's the third longest active home winning streak in FBS. That's also the two-time defending Pac-12 champ. Somehow we go into the season. Or I say we. Y'all go into the season overlooking Utah. I'm the person that's always saying Utah won the last two Pac-12 championships. Utah played in the last two Rose Bowls. Utah got Cam Rising. Utah's defense is nasty. Morgan Scalley's been there for umpteen years. They stay nasty. If the game's on the line. Morgan Scalley's calling all out blitzes and getting home. I don't want nothing to do with no Utah the rest of the year. And yet, that's what the Pac 12 got to deal with. Let's go from that win to Alabama asserting itself once again. Number 13, Alabama defeated number 15, Ole Miss 24 10 in Tuscaloosa. Jalen Milrow, second quarter in uh, INT in the end zone, looked like it was going to be indicative of how the game went, but he got really good all of a sudden in a hurry. And not only that, I think while people are getting real caught up in what the quarterback situation has been in Alabama, which is not great. They have ignored that is the best defense that we have seen at Alabama since 2020. Those dudes are animals. Dallas Turner is a dude. Deontay Lawson is a dude. Kool-Aid McKinstry says, no, no, no. You'll get nothing and like it. Malachi Moore all of a sudden got all got got some 16-inch pythons. That dude been in the weight room. They don't need the offense to score 40. Get us 24. We'll keep the rest in check. Like, yeah, South Florida game's nasty, but this team is built like a 2012 Alabama team. And frankly, I think that's Nick Saban's favorite kind of football. That's why he wanted to bust this team down to the studs offensively go. You know what? I don't really like having a Heisman winner at quarterback. I don't really like having a Heisman winner that also gets drafted in the first round. I don't like having to throw the ball for 400 yards. You know what I like? I like handing the ball to tailbacks and beating the hell out of people. That's what I like. I like fist fights. I like 2005 football. I want to hand the ball to a tailback and I want to grind you to death. And I want a defense that's not going to let you do a damn thing. That's what it was looking like against Ole Miss. Now, I think also in here is Alabama's probably going to eke out 10 wins, right? But Alabama fans are just not going to be happy because Alabama fans are never happy unless they're winning national championships. But I'm going to put it another way. Nick Saban improved to 29 and 3 against his former assistants, right? But also Alabama's 103 and nine in home games during his time. They lost nine games at Tuscaloosa since 2007. Nasty. And frankly, Ole Miss just can't get a win since 2015. Right? It's just one of those. Even if I pick you, right? Can't go get that done. God, goodness me. 73 out of the last 77 contests in Bryant-Denny, which also means Texas, Texas might actually be that good. We don't know yet. But knowing what they did against this Alabama team that's not number one in the country, but still pretty damn good, it's hard to overlook what Texas might be. So looking forward to the Red River Showdown because, well, Oklahoma owes Texas. And that 49-0 is forever. But you know what? You can get one back, feel real good about it in a couple of weeks here. Go to number seven, Penn State. knocking off. Number 24, Iowa, 31-0. Remember when I said Colorado showed some heart, went and got six before it was all said and done? Iowa couldn't do that. I, I, Iowa's offense was, at, what, what, is, what do the white folks say? Anemic? Anemic. That's what they say. I say booty bad and trash. Garbage. Hot garbage. It was almost like, hey, McNamara just went full Iowa for this game. Now, that's the Iowa side of it. The, the Penn State side of it is, have you seen our defense, RJ? Yeah, dog. I, I, I synced seen, I seen it. I synced it. It's nasty. Manny Diaz got them dudes firing. Penn State has scored at least 30 points. In 10 straight games, make it 11 after this one, nine and over over the last two seasons when forcing multiple takeaways, they did that again. My goodness, it's not just that, though. It's that Penn State was able to do this against what I always thought and still think is a very good Iowa defense, and that is the reason why I think Penn State is a real contender against Michigan, reigning Big Ten champion, and Ohio State, who I think can win the Big Ten championship aside. From Penn State. And it also just kind of highlights once again how lopsided the Big Ten is. I can't wait for these divisions to go along. I know it's the last year that we're going to have divisions, but y'all should just scrap them right now because you need to have Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan. So I'm one one of those three, right? Playing each other twice this year because they're just that good. I think we're also getting to see Drew Aller actually grow up in front of us because he was throwing some darts against this Iowa defense. Really exciting stuff for you if you are a Nittany Lions fan. And I'm seriously. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, those three games might decide not just who wins the Big Ten championship, but could decide who was playing in the national title game because I think all three of those games are really good. Number 21, Washington State, edged out number 14, Oregon State, 38-35. Cam Ward, he's entered your Heisman conversation. 28 of 34, 404 pass yards, and then eight of those were eight eight of those passes were eight catches for 159 yards, three TDs, Josh Kelly. It's coming together for Jake Dickert. Now, the joke that's going to be told that I will give you here so that you don't have to hear nobody else is congratulations on winning the Pac-2 or Pac-12 championship, depending on who you are. I think it's a lame joke because I don't want to be in this spot right now. We talked about who runs the Pac-12 and who doesn't, even as the Pac-12 is still playing. Maybe it's best season of football ever. Cool, fine. I also think Oregon State's still a good football team, right? Not sure if it's a top twenty five team, but certainly the kind of team that could end up there. I think the defense was just not ready for the on assault the just the full on assault that Washington State's offense is. Like when they put up fifty on Colorado State in week one, we all were like, okay, Colorado State's not that good. Then Colorado State went and put up thirty five on Colorado. Somehow, it wasn't that Colorado State is better than we think. It's that Colorado's not as good as we think. I I hate this thought thought process, right? It can't be that somebody's good. Washington State put 31 up on Wisconsin. Then, okay, they might be good, right? Fine. Sure. Whatever gets you there. Whatever gets you there. Washington State might be a top 15 team, depending on how these things uh, shake out. But I got to go through the list. But they show me a lot, especially being able to extend the lead like they had. I think at one time, it was 38-28, 38-21. And Oregon State shows them heart, right? Gave themselves an opportunity to win the game at the end, but I think Washington State's also going to have to prove it. They got a Washington game in the Apple Cup. They got Oregon. I mean, they, Pac-12 is just a monster. I can't tell you who's going to win that thing. I can only tell you who I think is good. Right now, USC, Oregon, Utah. You, and Washington be like, RJ, say our name. Washington. See what I'm saying? It's going to be tough, but I love this because they got to play each other, or at least the good teams still got to play each other, and we get to figure that out. Finally, Let's get to number four, Florida State, defeating Clemson 31 to 24 in overtime. Clemson up 17 14 and a half. Florida State never led in, in regulation. Keon Coma's dude, right? He called game, right? Had the game winning T D, had nine catches for 86 yards with those two TDs. Scott five, T- or excuse me, he's got seven TDs. He's got as many TDs this season as he had all last year at Michigan State. All right, now na- now's the nasty part. I still don't think Florida State's a national championship caliber team. I don't trust them. I-, I don't trust them. You're down, excuse me, you're up 31-10 against Boston College and they come back and you only win that game by two, 31-29. Then I watched Boston College be down 49-14 to Louisville. Okay. All right. Maybe it's a fluke. You beat up on LSU, right? 45-24. Everybody want to tell me about that win. The same LSU that was tied 31 up with Arkansas needed a field goal late to beat Arkansas. Arkansas who lost to BYU. BYU who lost Kansas. When it's going well, offensively, it's going well, right? Jordan Travis has got trees to throw the football to. You. And Keon Coleman, who I mentioned, but also Jaheim Bell, who is Every bit of Debo Samuel, right? In this sport at least. Johnny Wilson, six foot seven, two forty. Trey Benson running hard, even as they couldn't run the ball for nothing for nobody. Cade Klubnik ain't the dude that we saw last year. I don't know where that dude has gone, but he ain't the guy that I saw last year. He is inaccurate with the ball. And I had to watch Bo Collins and others make some acrobatic catches to make some easy completions. The man never saw the blitz coming, not only to take the sack. You get the fumble. That ends up being six. That's the difference in the game. You could also say difference in the game is, hey, the kicker that they pulled off the street back on scholarship, who was supposed to be in New York right now at work, to try to win them the game, missed field goal. Okay. I'm saying that I don't trust this Florida State team because you got too many things just falling your way right now. Like Duke might actually be great, but Duke beat Clemson 28 to seven. You needed overtime. I don't I don't get it. That's not a number three team to me. It's not a number four team to me. That's barely a top 10 team to me. And the worst part about this is they probably will run through the ACC. And if they're undefeated at the end, and you got a one loss, say, Pac-12 champion, knowing what the Pac-12 is doing, you really going to put Florida State in there? I got a hard time with that one, man. But you know what? Again, You got to win at Death Valley, and that was big for Florida State. They hadn't won against Clemson in seven years. They hadn't beaten them in Death Valley since 2013, right? It's a new dawn for them, and Mike Norvell got the buy-in that he needed from his players to get to this 4-0 spot. But the more that they play football, the more I'm going, are you good or are you lucky? Because in this sport, it's about perfection, and even being perfect is not a good look. Ask me about ranking a G5 team that's undefeated. Hey, RG, they're not that good because you know how they look next to that eye test. All right, fine. Have it your way. You looked at Florida State. You think that they can play with Texas, USC, Penn State, Oregon, Washington? I can keep going down the line here. You're going to pick Alabama before you pick Florida State? Yeah, you are. I just need to see more. I need to see you putting people away. I need to see you not just winning games, but dunking on them. Think about it this way. I was in the uh, group chat with producer Cat, and I casually said, what the hell is Georgia doing? At the time, it was tied 7-7 with UAB, right? Off to another slow start. 14-3 against South Carolina last week at half. But we're giving Georgia the benefit of the doubt because they won the last two national championships and they've lost one game in two years. You are not that Florida State. You got stuff to prove. You gotta go. You gotta go. You you got you got more to go. You got more to do here. It's not out of reach for you, but I need to see it start to come together. Get out of your own way. Stop the stupid penalties. Get Jordan Travis to, you know, be consistent, arm or no arm, and then we can talk. All right. We will be back tomorrow to go through the Associated Press Poll's top 25, as well as my top 25. Probably have some more reaction with USC game and what happened there. Probably talk a little bit more about Colorado. Casually, Travis Hunter was playing 2K on Twitch during the Colorado game. Wish I didn't see that, but I did, so now we got to talk about it. All right. As I said, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, shortly after the release of the rankings, which is about... 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Keep it locked right here. We will keep you informed. Our number one college football leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torrin Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistant Kiara Santana. She puts the special in our special teams. Dolce producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. Niles Owen is sending in the signals today. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth and she is on the sideline calling the plays tonight. Our guy, Tyler Wojak, is amazing, and I love him so much. The play snaps on my clap. Until then, y'all keep those pads low. Keep those feet driving.